This is your radio station, Lake of the Ozarks, 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 28th. A barge explosion injured a boat driver on Thursday morning, but it could have been worse. The driver from Ozark Barge and Dock was pushing a dock at the 7.5-mile marker of the Gravoy Arm. He had just stepped off the barge onto the dock when the barge exploded. The driver did have some burns and was taken to the ER, but Osage Barge and Dock owner Nina Gennetton said if it had been on, he'd been on the boat when it exploded, the driver may not have survived. More Ameren customers are eligible to get help paying their utility bills. It's now easier to qualify for low-income home energy assistance, and Ameren says the amount of assistance available has doubled and assistance is available all year long. If you don't qualify, Ameren Missouri's Clean Slate program also offers utility assistance for customers struggling with utility costs. More info at Ameren.com. It's a good day for animals and animal lovers. The Community Foundation of the Lake has awarded grants for horse and dog shelters, sanctuaries, and rescue facilities in the lake area. Recipients of the Karen Jean Ruddick Trust include Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue and Sanctuary and Ivy Bend Animal Rescue, as well as many others. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life. Lake Expo. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Some college hoops tomorrow. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears looking to bounce back from losses. At 8-11, and 11, the Mizzou Tigers will be on the road to play Iowa State. Pretty good Iowa State team there, 14-5. and five. The uh, Tigers coming off a one-point loss to number one-ranked Auburn earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a good season there, 15-7. and seven. They were upset earlier this week at Indiana State. They are home to 4-13 Evansville tomorrow, a game they should be able to win. St. Louis Blues won last night at home against Calgary, avenging a 7-1 loss to the Flames earlier in the week. The Chiefs are getting ready for a big showdown on Sunday. It's their fourth straight AFC Championship game. A win means they go to the Super Bowl. A loss means the season is over. It's 
all or nothing. Of course, they come off that incredible overtime win last weekend over the Bills. They lost to this Cincinnati team week 17 of the regular season by three at Cincinnati. Chiefs are favored by about a touchdown to win it this time around. The Chiefs at home for this one. They're 9-2 and two at home this year. The NFC Championship game features the third time this season the 49ers and Rams have played. San Francisco has won the first two meetings, but they are underdogged in this game. The Rams will be at home, and that is the NFC Championship, so the winner of that one will go to the Super Bowl as well. 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, not sure if he'll be returning to Green Bay next year. He skipped training camp, if you remember, before this season. Says he does not want to be a part of a rebuild if he does keep playing. The Colts, with the most players voted on to the Pro Bowl, they will play that next weekend. Colts had seven players in total. They didn't even make the playoffs. Chiefs and Chargers next with six. The Cowboys, Bucks, and Niners had the most for NFC teams with five players each. In high school hoops, the Eldon 91st Annual Tournament continues this weekend. Eldon, Osage, and Versailles all taking part in that tournament. Camdenton taking part in the Liberator Tournament in Bolivar uh, this week. Next week, next Friday night, live high school basketball game, Versailles at Osage. Again, you can see that on Lake TV. Versailles coach Jason Allison is featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show. You can see that every day on Lake TV at 10, 2, and 6. KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV brings you five local Lake Area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Saturday, February 5th at the Oasis Conference Center in Springfield, Missouri. There will be a pastor and faith leader symposium. The main speaker is Bill Federer. Bill's on the line. Bill, what are you going to be talking about? Critical race theory and how it is the opposite of the gospel. The gospel says you love your enemies and critical race theory says you cancel your enemies. But it goes back to Karl Marx. And it was his plan to divide a country into groups and then pit the groups against each other. Economically, racially, socially, religiously, they call some haves, the others have nots, that they would start protests and riots. And then in the confusion, they do a coup or rigged election and seize power. We're going to be talking about that, and you'll be fascinated. Very important and timely information. Saturday, February 5th, the Pastor and Faith Leader Symposium at the Oasis Conference Center in Springfield. RSVP by January 26th by calling or texting 314-608-0168. That's 314-608-0168.
Be a part of the solution. Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. Hey, good morning, 808 on Key Radio, The Daily Show. KB here with you along with Bill Munhausen. Got a couple of special guests in studio, and uh, we'll get them on uh, and into the conversation here uh, shortly. Want to quickly run down the weather forecast as we have it to 43 the high today. 43 degrees, the expected highs are not too terribly bad. 21 the low tonight. Right now we're sitting at about uh, 25 degrees with a few clouds making their way through the uh, Tri-County region. Or as they're calling it now, we always used to say Miller, Morgan, and Camden County, but we can't leave our good friends out uh, out in the cold up there in Benton County. But uh, actually, uh, I don't know where this forecast came from. It's an old one. 43. That was yesterday, right? Today we are looking for a high of 32 and a low of 19. 51 the high tomorrow. 48 for the Chiefs game on Sunday. Go Chiefs. And uh, that's for the... The AFC crown against the Cincinnati Bengals, who everybody knows beat the Chiefs during the regular season. The Buffalo Bills also beat the Chiefs during the regular season, and you see what happened there. 59 on Monday with a high of 52 on Tuesday. Then we'll drop back down in the upper 20s, low 30s. We'll worry about that next week when it rolls around. But overall for the month of January, our final final full weekend of January, uh, some decent weather. So maybe you have some plans to get outdoors. I don't know. Cold weather, just, uh, you know, it's just there to annoy us at this point. As far as things go, 658.28, the lake level, river level at 559.74. And, yes, the winter drawdown is in effect. It started uh, in January when I was noticing those big chunks that they were uh, discharging down there at uh, Bagnell Dam. So, yes, it does exist. Winter drawdown in effect. Take the proper precautions and make sure your dock and everything around uh, your property, if you live on the water, is uh, is in good shape. 8.10 is our time. He was in town last night to address the masses here in the Lake of the Ozarks area, and he joins us in studio this morning. Senator Bill Eigel is with us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, uh, your friend here, Mr. Lemke, Jim Lemke, how are you this morning? I'm well, Kevin. Thank you. Good uh, to be with you. Good to be with you as well. And and uh, you are... You you are you work with the senator. I'm uh, his current sidekick. Yes, okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have uh, the uh, great pleasure of working with the senator right. uh, in the Capitol uh, on the uh, official side. I've done that for the last couple of years. Sure. Uh, working with the conservative caucus in the Missouri Senate. Very nice. And uh, this year I don't have an official position. I'm, I'm focusing strictly on the campaign side mm-hmm. and uh, working on six open Republican seats where there'll be Republican primaries and the pack that I run uh, the 100 pack uh, actually engages in those uh, primaries to elect the right Republicans. And we have some information here on the 100 pack uh, committed to helping Missouri once again prosper by accomplishing the following identifying and electing uh, the next generation of constitutional conservatives exposing the fallacies of Jeff City politics holding current elected officials accountable to driving policy outcomes, ones that uh, support a thriving Missouri economy, protect our values, and safeguard our families, businesses, and schools. And uh, those are probably all things we'll be talking about uh, throughout the course of the next hour. In addition to uh, redistricting, which uh, I guess has kind of hit a snag as well. Uh, so last night you were uh, in, in Osage Beach. Uh, mm-hmm. How was the turnout? How did that go? What, did, what kind of a what kind of a vibe did you pick up from the people that were in attendance? Well, well, first of all, it was very well attended. I mean, the room was full. We were at the Osage uh, Beach 
city city hall. Right, and, sure. and the, the room was full. So I think we had 75, 80 folks there that had come. And, and the mood of the room was frustration is, is what I was detecting from the crowd because you mentioned the redistricting fight uh, that's going on in Jefferson City because there's a small group of senators that are just fighting to send as many Republicans to Washington, D.C. as possible. And they're not being opposed by any Republican in the state except for a few a majority of Republicans inside Jefferson City, which right. is real frustrating to a lot of folks. So uh, that and along with a few other issues, I mean, just in the past year, Republicans have been raising taxes. Republicans have been voting to keep funding Planned Parenthood. Republicans have been voting to expand Medicaid. So it's uh, it's been real frustrating for a lot of folks. So they came together and wanted to know kind of the let's name the names. Who, who are the who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys down there in Jefferson City? And what can we do to get involved? So it was tense, but I thought it was a great event. We shared a lot of information about specific voting records of folks and uh, hopefully folks took a lot of a lot away from that you say it was tense uh the 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 mood the overall mood was tense i think you know people are finally starting to realize where this country is headed Mm -hmm. and uh they don't like what they see in uh in so many instances uh you know with me one of the big ones is uh second amendment Mm -hmm. and now we're talking about and, and and we hear all of these horrible stories of uh uh, law enforcement, men and women in law enforcement, uh, you know, their lives being taken. And so what's the way to combat that? Take everybody's firearms away. Right. And I think that's the one thing that you certainly don't want to do. Um, you know, we've got the uh, Second Amendment Preservation Act here in the state of Missouri. Um, it, <clears throat> it, it, it's something that Bill and I have discussed with, with other legislators as well about how uh, how this really helps the state of Missouri? Does it does it really ensure that citizens will be allowed to uh, you know carry their firearms and, and certain things? We had an incident back here a few months back where a local gun shop was raided by the ATF. The ATF showed up in force. Twenty twenty ATF agents in tactical gear. They walked into the gun shop. They confiscated everything. They told the owner and uh, the owner's brother that. No, no, you can't video anything. You can't do anything. Just, you know, stay put. They confiscated all of the man's firearms, which I would imagine uh, totaled somewhere in the neighborhood of about mm, $250,000, $300,000. He hasn't seen any of those. And uh, the charges against him, uh, it, it could have obviously been handled in such a way that you didn't need to bring in 20 agents dressed in tactical gear and... And uh, now he's just kind of sitting there in limbo, waiting for them to uh, decide his fate. Uh, and, and the thing about it was, is you know, more or less, the ATF comes in like that. They're trying to send a message. You know, they're trying to send a clear-cut message that you know, don't go up against us, or this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like the man's rights have just been totally obliterated. Mm-hmm. Um, Second Amendment Preservation Act uh, essentially means that law enforcement can't assist if uh, uh, an agency like the ATF shows up that they won't assist in, in helping them out. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess the sheriff of this county was contacted, but not in the timely fashion that he should have been contacted to say, hey, listen, we're coming in. We're going to do this. We just want to let you know. Mm-hmm. So, right. But, you know, it's, so, it, it's things like that along with, um, it, it seems to me, uh, education is, is also in the sights of uh, where we're going with this country, you know, telling parents they can't uh, they can't uh, get upset about something at a school board meeting, um, <laughs> labeling them as domestic terrorists. Right, right. 
uh, I mean, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, uh, and his daughter, and who she's married to. I mean, this, this whole thing is just really, uh, you know, and, and anymore, here's the thing. They're not hiding it. It's not like we're saying, you know, watch what's going on over here, but don't pay attention to what's going on over here. They're just coming right out and saying it. And it seems to be the, the theme as well mm-hmm. in Jeff City with a lot of things. People aren't beating around the bush anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mentioned the Second Amendment Preservation Act and, and the defense of the Second Amendment. I've always defined uh, the only and proper role of government as protecting the rights of its citizens, which would include the right to bear arms, which is including of our right to, our right to life, our liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Now, uh, there's kind of a good news, bad news thing when it comes to the defense of the Second Amendment here in the state of Missouri. The good news is, you know, the, def- the Second Amendment issue was one of the reasons that the Republican Party came to power in the state of Missouri in the first place. Mm-hmm. Rural voters uh, across the state found that on that issue and on the issue of life, they really didn't have a place in the Democratic Party anymore. And thus they began a mass migration over to the Republican Party looking for somebody that was going to be the champion of the defense of those rights in particular. And so Missouri went from a very blue state, as you know, to a purple state state to now we are a very red state and we have on the the issue of the second amendment we have done some some good things in specific legislation we passed you mentioned the second amendment preservation act uh, we have constitutional carry in this state we have broad concealed carry uh, laws that protect the rights of the citizens so on specific legislation that's actually something the republicans have done pretty well on the bad side, though, we have to understand, and this is where the federal government, the ATF, and other government agencies come in, that the bigger that government gets in general, that the naturally you're, the more threats you're going to see to all of your rights. Mm-hmm. So if we continue to see the growth of government, which is just completely out of control in, D- in Washington, D.C., and is actually out of control in Jefferson City as well, that we're just going to see more incidents, whether it's federal agents marching into a, a gun owner shop here in the middle of Missouri or elsewhere, we're going to see those threats. And by a lot of fiscal measures, I mean, there's only two ways you can measure the size of growth of, of, growth of government. One, the number of tax dollars that they spend uh, out of your bank account. And two, the number of lines of code that you have to comply with in order right. to stay out of jail. And by both of those measures, government's bigger than it's ever been before. So even though we're putting in um, piecemeal protection for something, whether it's the Second Amendment or otherwise, we haven't done a good enough job as the leaders of the state, the Republican Party, slowing or stopping or turning back the growth of government. And if we don't get this under control, it's just going to continue to be a problem. I'll give you an example. This year, the governor rolls out his 2023 budget. Now, the budget that he's rolled out is $47 billion. A lot of folks don't even realize that the budget, it may be 30, 40, 50 billion dollars, or if they do know what that actually means. But to give you an idea of how big of a budget, a $47 billion annual budget for the state of Missouri is, that's bigger than the budget of Illinois. And, and Illinois has more than twice the people that we have. So when government is just that big, it's naturally going to infringe upon the liberty and individual uh, freedoms of the individual citizen. So we've got to get that under control. We can do it directly if we want to protect the Second Amendment by uh, legislation, which I support and I think is great for the Second Amendment Preservation Act. But we've got to turn around and get back to our roots as a party to say, are we really the party of limited government and small government? Because in a lot of cases, that's not what's going on. Well, it seems like every year they want to create another agency or another department and, right. uh, and, and legislate and regulate and, and really uh, duplicate in a lot of instances as well. Uh, one of the things that I seem to see quite a bit is we always do things under the guise of safety. Sure. You yep. know? It's for your own good. And as soon as we can get our foot in the door, or they can get their foot in the door, then it's, uh, you know, it, it, all bets are off. It, it, look at the Patriot Act that was put in place. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a perfect example of that. 
at the time, we were worried about the terrorists. At the time, we were worried about all the things that were going on and the things that could happen to us if we didn't do something. Well, the government took a, a great opportunity to seize the moment mm -hmm. and put something like that in place, and now it's being used against Sure. The people. Uh, and, and, and look at the, the COVID crazy environment, as I like sure. to call it. My, God, my goodness, in the past two years, more rights and liberties have been trampled on maybe than in the history uh, of the United States of America. The, the COVID environment has been used as a justification to shut people's businesses down, economically speaking, to quarantine people who are healthy in their home, to force people to get vaccinations that maybe they don't want. And they're all done under the guise of perpetual emergencies that declared in Washington, D.C. and Jefferson City that actually grant the government even more additional powers to infringe and tell you how to live your life. We actually had a conversation in St. Louis County last year where the county executive was going to the people of that county saying, this is there is a limit to the number of people you can have over to your house for Thanksgiving dinner. And that number is 10. And if you have more than 10 people over, I'm going to come in and arrest you. So the, the outrageousness is such that, to your point that you made earlier, whether, it, whether you're an everyday voter, whether you're a parent, whether you're an activist, whatever you're, you are tense, you are angrier than you've ever been before. We've already seen that show up in elections in places like Virginia, where Glenn Youngkin came to power, not just because he was a Republican, but because he represented a reform of all this broken government and these bad ideas that are coming out of uh, the leftist agenda or the Democrat Party or whomever. But ultimately, those are designed to take away your rights. And if Republicans in this state can get back to our roots of being the reformers of broken government, of which we have no shortage of, then I think we're going to continue to be successful right. and we can address what the people want us to do. You know, and the, and the blatant overreach of government that you mentioned, Kevin, mm -hmm. is being noticed by the Joe, everyday Joe citizen. Mm -hmm. um, actually, the Joe and citizen. And what I mean by that with the people that we see getting engaged that have never been engaged before, most of the new groups, the grassroots groups that are springing up all over the state of Missouri, all over the country, are led by women. Women that are angry because government has gone after their children. These are mama bears that have gotten engaged uh, in the fight and are pushing back against the overreach of government. And, and we do address uh, one of those women's groups here, uh, Concerned Women for America of Missouri. Yeah. Uh, Bev Allen. Yeah. Who uh, has been on with us uh, a, a number of times and will continue to do so. And uh, we've spoken with her. And, of course, we understand that there are a lot of these uh, women, you know. And, and, and I think we tend to forget that women make most of the decisions when it comes to what goes on in their home. That's right. You know? That's a lot right. You, 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 don't, you, you, don't get anything, you don't get anything by mama without asking her first, right. you know? That's right. Well, you actually, you met, you just mentioned Bev Avelet. She just sent me a text message. She just sent me a text message. In fact, uh, it, it talk, speaking of the COVID crisis and the COVID tyranny and the COVID craziness that's going on, you know, Missouri is on the verge of appointing to the Department of Health and Human Services at the state level a guy from Illinois by the name of Donald Karoff, who is going to come up and to be appointed and confirmed for that position in the Senate on Monday, and she's actually planning a rally outside the Capitol on Monday. It's going to take place at 12.30 p.m. on Monday. It'll be a short rally to push back against this guy from Illinois, Donald Karoff, who actually came out in support of 100% vaccination. He wants everybody to get a vaccine whether you want it or not. So I'm going to be working with a group of conservatives on the Senate floor on Monday, pushing it back against this guy and his nomination, and people are going to be coming from around the state to protest, even you know, enabling 
even more of these COVID, uh, COVID tyrants. And what's disappointing to me is this guy didn't get nominated by a Democratic governor. He got nominated by Mike Parson. So the more that the people are getting engaged in letting folks know, and you can do that at Monday at 1230 at the rally at the Rotunda down in Jefferson City at the Stop the, uh, uh, Stop the Medical Tyranny rally that Bev Allen and Concerned Women for America are putting on. Do you see how I smoothly put that plug in there? Nice. You like that? You've done radio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but done no, radio. this is an opportunity. we got to be able to push back on these things. And if we don't, if we don't deviate from this path of more government telling everybody how to live every moment of their lives, we're just going to see more anger and frustration in the population. Well, you know, living here at the Lake of the Ozarks has been a blessing for a lot of people, so much so that we've attracted. We, I, I don't know how much we, we've had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a population explosion, if you will, because everybody's seen what life is like when you don't put restrictions on people and let them go about their business. Mm-hmm. Now, there was some concern early on, but fortunately, you know, I don't know how many different uh, news programs that we've made. Uh, in the past uh, couple of years based on the fact that, you know, people could come down there and enjoy themselves. And and another big thing, too, is a lot of the people in the big cities that were restricted in those cities that had second homes down here, mm-hmm. oh, baby, they were coming in droves, you know right. what I mean? And when you were looking for toilet paper and all that other stuff in the, in the big cities, well, they were kind of filtering down here and shopping in our stores, and, you know, our economy has been booming, and, and, and you know, we have a lot of people to thank for that. But I think in particular... You have the uh, the citizens that, you know, we stayed strong. We didn't bend. We didn't break. We didn't come anywhere near that. And th- that's due to the fact that we've got so many uh, freedom-loving, liberty-loving people here at the Lake of the Ozarks, and, and we're not going to let them come in here and, and, and push us around. And, right. and, and they didn't. Right. And, and we <laughs> there's a boat show going on this weekend up in Overland Park, Kansas, right? And one of the things that they're having an issue with is inventory. Why? Because people were coming down here and buying up boats left and right. And, you know, the production process slowed down for them. But at the same point, you know, they sold a lot of boats. They sold a lot of docks. They definitely sold a lot of real estate this year. They, they, they crushed the $1 billion mark in real estate. Mm-hmm. And so what I don't understand is how people in other parts of the state, other parts of the country, can just allow themselves to be walked over. And walked on. And, and, you know, I'm waiting to hear two words here because, okay, every time something rolls through, you've got, you get a variant, and then they try to push, push, push. Oh, everybody's got to get vaccinated. Everybody's got to wear a mask, do all this other stuff. And it starts to kind of slow down again. And, oh, up crops another variant. That's right. And then up. Let's keep it going. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Get your shot. Get your shot. I, I just don't understand how people can fall for this all the time. And like I said, two words I'm just waiting to hear. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if I heard them sometime in the next six months or a year. Martial law. Mm-hmm. I, I don't doubt that at some point that's where we're going with all of this. Because you get into a groove where people are, are, are willing to give up you know, the things that they've always had. And the government, again, will take an opportunity to seize the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, let me go back to uh, your your question of uh, your, your, the, what you basically said is, man, how can how can there be so many Americans out there that are accepting of all this government control and are accepting of the government just coming into their lives? You know what? I, I ask myself that same question a lot, and I think part of the reason is the fact that for many of these cases, right now, a, a large chunk of the population is dependent upon government. 
uh, dependent on government for whether it's some sort of welfare assistance, whether it's for education, whether it's for health care, whatever it is, they need the government. In fact, the government has worked very hard to make more and more of the population dependent on government for what they need. So the, you know, t- then the government further telling them how to live their lives is actually just a natural extension of what they're doing. That's why I'm a, I'm a reformer. I want to move away from all these programs that try to feed, clothe, whatever it is, to, to try to live the lives of the, of the population for themselves. The, role, the proper role of government is to protect the rights of the citizens. It's not to give you all this free stuff that may seem great right now, whether you've got folks out there saying they want everything from free health care to free higher education to uh, basic universal income – all of these things are actually ways that the government will addict you to all those benefits, and then it's going to be a natural and easy fit for when the government tells you, oh, by the way, you also need to wear a mask 24 hours a day, even when you're alone in your car, <laughs> that that's going to be a natural fit. So we've got to understand that government is the – Ronald Reagan said this. Government's not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. It was the Republican Party that said that we were going to be the reformers of all this broken government that we have around here. And here in Missouri, in the reddest of the red states here in the state of Missouri, we have allowed our leaders in Jefferson City to get away from that message. That's why people cheer when they hear the name Ron DeSantis. But if when you talk about the names of a lot of our elected officials here in this state, people kind of shrug their shoulders. Mm-hmm. It is time for us to take a uh, quick break at the bottom of the hour. We'll get you some information. Stacy Johnson with LakeExpo.com. Chris Schneider with Lake TV and a check of sports. And back with uh, more, our conversation with Senator Bill Eigel. And uh, we're going to get into that whole redistricting thing, see if we can make a little sense of that. Jim Lemke hanging out with us as well. Bill Mundhausen and uh, yours truly, KB. It's, uh, it's The Daily Show on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 28th. A barge explosion injured a boat driver on Thursday morning, but it could have been worse. The driver from Ozark Barge and Dock was pushing a dock at the 7.5-mile marker of the Gravoy Arm. He had just stepped off the barge onto the dock when the barge exploded. The driver did have some burns and was taken to the ER, but Osage Barge and Dock owner Nina Ginneton said if it had been on, he'd been on the boat, when it exploded, the driver may not have survived. More Ameren customers are eligible to get help paying their utility bills. It's now easier to qualify for low-income home energy assistance, and Ameren says the amount of assistance available has doubled and assistance is available all year long. If you don't qualify, Ameren Missouri's Clean Slate program also offers utility assistance for customers struggling with utility cost. More info at Ameren.com. It's a good day for animals and animal lovers. The Community Foundation of the Lake has awarded grants for horse and dog shelters, sanctuaries, and rescue facilities in the lake area. Recipients of the Karen Jean Ruddick Trust include Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue and Sanctuary and Ivy Bend Animal Rescue, as well as many others. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life. Lake Expo. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. 
Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Some college hoops tomorrow. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears looking to bounce back from losses. At 8 and 11, the Mizzou Tigers will be on the road to play Iowa State. Pretty good Iowa State team there, 14 and 5. The uh, Tigers coming off a one point loss to number one ranked Auburn earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a good season there, 15 and 7. They were upset earlier this week at Indiana State. They are home to 4-13 Evansville tomorrow, a game they should be able to win. St. Louis Blues won last night at home against Calgary, avenging a 7-1 loss to the Flames earlier in the week. The Chiefs are getting ready for a big showdown on Sunday. It's their fourth straight AFC Championship game. A win means they go to the Super Bowl. A loss means the season is over. It's all or nothing. Of course, they come off that incredible overtime win last weekend over the Bills. They lost to the Cincinnati team week 17 of the regular season by three at Cincinnati. Chiefs are favored by about a touchdown to win it this time around. The Chiefs at home for this one. They're 9-2 and two at home this year. The NFC Championship game features the third time this season the 49ers and Rams have played. San Francisco has won the first two meetings, but they are underdogged in this game. The Rams will be at home, and that is the NFC Championship, so the winner of that one will go to the Super Bowl as well. 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, not sure if he'll be returning to Green Bay next year. He skipped training camp, if you remember, before this season. Says he does not want to be a part of a rebuild if he does keep playing. The Colts with the most players voted on to the Pro Bowl. They will play that next weekend. Colts had seven players in total. They didn't even make the playoffs. Chiefs and Chargers next with six. The Cowboys, Bucks, and Niners had the most for NFC teams with five players each. In high school hoops, the Eldon 91st Annual Tournament continues this weekend. Eldon, Osage, and Versailles all taking part in that tournament. Camdenton taking part in the Liberator Tournament in Bolivar uh, this week. Next week, next Friday night, live high school basketball game, Versailles at Osage. Again, you can see that on Lake TV. Versailles coach Jason Allison is featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show. You can see that every day on Lake TV at 10, 2, and 6. KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV brings you five local Lake Area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. 
Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niangua River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Business, government, history, religion, entertainment, and much more on 89.3 The Key. 836 is our time, and welcome back. It is hour number one of the Daily Show on Key Radio, and a great hour. Uh, and of course, don't forget, we've got uh, Mr. Dave Moppin coming up next hour with Among the Dogwoods, taking uh, a look at not only what's going on with Camden County government, but also uh, giving us a little insight as to what happens with that uh, school board and some of those school board meetings with School of the Osage. And we've talked about some of the things there. Senator Bill Eigel is with us. Uh, Jim Lemke also with us. Uh, Bill Munhausen here. And gentlemen, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, folks out there, anybody wants to jump in, 573-633-5395. Uh, we, Bill and I took a hammer to the phone and fixed all of our phone issues yesterday. We just got tired of messing with it. And the best way to fix it is just get out a hammer and start pounding on things, and that's exactly what we did. So it all works now. Trust me. You know, with computers and websites and everything, we, we, we become so reliant on this stuff that we forget about uh, the good old-fashioned way of doing stuff and how, how you can fix things, how a hammer just – it's amazing what a hammer can get done. A little uh, elbow grease and a hammer. We wanted to uh, discuss redistricting because it has been a, a, a huge topic as uh, as we've been rolling through the last uh, couple of months, especially with the start of the legislative session. Um, where where are you guys at on that up there in Jeff City? So uh, first of all, as, as just kind of as everybody knows, we got to redraw the congressional districts every ten years. So when we got the census data in twenty twenty, we need to redraw our eight congressional districts. Uh, it's the same number as we had for the past ten years. And right now, we have six Republicans and two Democrats that represent uh, the state of Missouri. And in that, of those eight seats, you have uh, uh, two seats from uh, occupied by the Democrats that are very safe seats. They're drawn so that it'll be virtually impossible for a Republican to win that. Five of the seats are drawn so that it'll be impossible for anybody but a Republican to win those five seats. And then one seat, the second congressional up in St. Louis County and St. Charles County, is actually drawn to be almost an even district. So you kind of have a 5-2-1 split right now. So <clears throat> as we redraw those districts, I sit on the Senate Redistricting Committee, and, and my mission is, is very simple. I want to draw the districts to send as many Republicans to Washington, D.C. to push back against Joe Biden and all the crazy Democrats, whether it's Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or whoever it is, uh, that don't share the values of this state. But the more Republicans we send, the better it is. We can draw a map that will actually send seven Republicans. So you would have a, a quote-unquote 7-1 map up there. And so as I've gone around the state and talked to Republicans all over the state, I have yet to meet a Republican. Republican in the state of Missouri that says to me that they want anything but a 7-1 map that's actually going to increase the number of Republicans that we have uh, from Missouri right now. However, 
I did meet a group of Republicans that want something other than a 7-1 map, and it happens to be a big group of the elected Republicans in Jefferson City who are trying very hard to appease the Democratic special interests and draw a map that will either send two re- at least two re- Democrats to, Jefferson, to Washington, D.C., and potentially three Democrats to Washington, D.C. We would actually take one step backwards. And, and these efforts are being led by the Senate uh, Republican re- majority floor leader Caleb Browden. He's the he's a senator from Boone County, and uh, it just mystifies me because it it seems like those Republicans aren't talking to any other Republican outside of the Capitol building around the state. So we're working on that very hard, and uh, hopefully we're going to be successful. Or there are going to be a lot of Republicans that are disappointed in the party again uh, down in Jeff City. I know one of the things we talked about is the fact that uh, you know you're working on it now, and so then you've got some elections coming up. So right. if if you, you, the whole scape of things, the, the whole game uh, could just be completely and totally different. You know, you figure it out now, and then elections are coming up, and then it, it means something completely and totally different that, around that, election time. No no question. I mean, we're gonna these maps will be in place in, in the next 30 or 60 days, so we're talking about sending reinforcements pushing back against Joe Biden uh, eight months from now. Right. So uh, this is a this is a once in a decade opportunity. And actually, if you look at what other states are doing, look at Illinois just redrew their maps, and when they redrew their maps, they eliminated two Republican seats. Maryland, Oregon have eliminated Republican seats. Uh, on the on the other side, states like Tennessee, red states have eliminated Democrat seats. This is going to be a big election in 2022 because it's going to be a very clear referendum on whether or not you think uh, Joe Biden's doing a good job. I happen to think he's not doing a good job, but if we don't send more reinforcements to the folks that are going to push back against him in the Republican Party, then we're squandering this opportunity. Kevin, I, I would I would add, though, that uh, one of the fallacies that have been put forth by those that are supporting the map that came out of the House, what we call the 5-3 map, um, we're using the straw man of, you know, we need an emergency clause. We need to get this done. Filing opens up in February, you know, and the world's going to come to an end if we don't rush this thing through and get her done. Mm -hmm. But that's just not the case. If uh, we have plenty of time to uh, vet this and and fully debate it through the process and make sure that we do the right thing as supermajorities of Republicans, Mm -hmm. because when this bill is finally passed by the Senate and by the House and signed by the governor, then there's certainty in that. That's, That's what the candidates need as far as when filing opens, because that bill is passed and signed by the governor. It doesn't right. make any difference if it doesn't go into to effect until August, okay? Because there is certainty, and that's what they need. You, you want to just make sure it's done right. You know what I mean? Exactly. You, you don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, and, and the, the next thing you know, you, people are all over the place, and, and, and it makes sense to take the time to, uh, to deliberate, I guess, and does it have to be something that's done next week or the... Uh, you know, week after that, uh, I don't know. But is there hope that it'll be settled before the legislative session is over? Oh, most oh, definitely. Yeah, most definitely it'll mm-hmm. be settled by the, the bef- I think it'll actually be probably settled in the next couple of weeks. Here's what's going to happen. Uh, there is a move afoot uh, that I'm a part of uh, by about a third of the Republican caucus. So there's 24 Republican senators in Jefferson City. And there's about a third of those senators, so about eight out of the 24, are supportive right now of passing a 7-1 map. That's the map that's going to send the maximum number of Republicans. And we can actually draw that map so that in each one of those seats, it'll be a seat that Donald Trump won by more than 15 points. That sounds pretty secure to me, and I think most Republicans would agree with that. Now, 
There's a, the other two-thirds of the caucus, uh, of the, those 16 out of 24 Republicans, want to pass either a 6-2 map, uh, which may be uh, so weak in its 6-2 that it becomes a 5-3 over the next few years. But they're trying very hard to avoid even a vote on the 7-1 map because they know that if they vote against it, that's going to be very unpopular. And many of these same Republican senators are actually up for re-election this year. In fact, we're sitting in the Senate district right now of one of those senators, right. Justin Brown, uh, who has not yet indicated that he's going to support that 7-1 map. And, and if he has to take a vote against it to protect Democratic special interests, well, I'll tell you what, that's not going to be great for him come election time. Right, right. And, 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 and again, you know, that's another one of the things that I think we see a lot with uh, with politicians, and that being... They want to do what's popular as opposed to what's right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I think that really, you know, oh, well, you know, I'm coming up for re-election. Uh, you know, who, who, who do I need to make happy in order to, you know, keep my spot? That's right. And, uh, you know, you, you have a few people that are on the state level and, uh, and even, <laughs> even fewer on the federal level that are all about what's doing right. And so, you know, I just hope people realize and understand, you know, this is about the future. I mean, you know, the decisions that are made now are going to affect us, you know, down the road and for a long, long time to come. Well, the funny thing about uh, the redistricting conversation is it it is the rare opportunity to not only do what is right, but what is also popular. (laughs) What is right in this case is to send as many Republicans as we can to Washington, D.C. And what's popular in Missouri is to send as many Republicans. So what... It, it just it just amazes me that we have these Republicans in the in Jefferson City who pledged to support a GOP platform that says we're going to support sending as many Republicans to Congress as we possibly can. And yet here they are trying to can either a convince themselves why that's not the right thing to do or be actively working against what they told the people that voted for them they were going to do when they came down to represent them here sure. in the capital of the show me state. So sure. it's frustrating. I've gotten more feedback on this redistricting issue through emails, through calls uh, than I have on any issue in more than a year. And uh, from, and I'm actually getting I'm actually getting uh, in, uh, feedback from folks that don't even live in Missouri that need Missouri to do the right thing and to send those reinforcements to D.C. So this is a national issue, and if we embarrass ourselves by not taking in by squandering this chance, by not taking advantage, by uh, showing appeasement to the other side when no other state is showing appeasement to the other side, uh, that's going to hurt our country for the next ten years. What's amazing and frustrating is that we hear over and over again from how and Senate leadership, this fear that they have of the federal courts or the federal government in relation to what we do in our state, in our sovereign state of Missouri. You know, they'll put up, again, a straw man saying, well, if we draw a 7-1 map, it's going to go to the courts. You know, and then the and the courts will draw the maps. Then what are we yes. going to get? What's going to happen then? Uh, when we tried to uh, defund Planned Parenthood, uh, in the Medicaid budget this past session, uh, the big fear was the federal government may, you know, cut some of our Medicaid money. Then what are we going to do? <laughs> it's just this fear instead fear of sure. instead of leading. You know, we've got super majorities. Why don't we lead? You know, how are we ever going to compete with a Florida or a Texas mm-hmm. or a Tennessee that are eating our lunch if we don't stand up and lead? Well, obviously, the biggest biggest thing we're we're uh, we're using as far as fear-mongering right now is covid mm-hmm. uh, you know right. if you don't get the shot if you don't wear the mask you could die mm-hmm. but what about those people that have got the shot and 
have died uh, ex- exactly from right. the shot. I mean, do those people not matter? Right. I mean, shouldn't we be concerned? Shouldn't we be talking about, shouldn't that be the discussion? We've taken the opportunity to shield all the pharmaceutical companies. That's right. We've taken the opportunity to shield people from lawsuits. Mm-hmm. And and that's not scary. That's not something you should be concerned or worried about. You, you know, Kevin, you make a great point. Uh, the, there are very, very, very powerful special interests that are benefiting from the COVID crazy environment. And you mentioned one of them, the pharmaceutical companies. Who has done better financially as a result of the COVID crazy environment than the pharmaceutical companies that are developing these drugs and literally having government, in many cases, force the population to use their product? I mean, that's what's happening. And then you're absolutely right. You know, we talk a lot. I hear a lot of Republicans, a lot of Republicans talk about they want to they want us to protect their rights under the Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution that are articulated in that document. And yet a lot of the Republicans in Jefferson City are then taking the Seventh Amendment, which gives you the right to go after corporations that harm you with their products and carving away those protections and that's what they've that's exactly what they've done for a lot of these pharmaceutical companies but you know what that's one of the primary focus of a lot of the republicans in jefferson city is to carve away the seventh amendment so uh we we've got to be honest with ourselves who who are we going to be as a republican party are we really going to be the party that's going to make government a little bit smaller are we really going to be the party that's going to be the people that defend your rights and if so why are we having so many republicans that are voting in the exact opposite of that they could be they're voting just in the past year we talked about this at our meeting last night just in the past year we had republicans in jefferson city vote for a the largest tax increase in the history of the state on our gas b to continue funding planned parenthood and other abortion providers with public money and c vote to expand obamacare under medicaid expansion in the state of missouri now i don't know about you but i don't know of a single republican that has campaigned on those three issues and said to the people that voted for them i'm going to go to jefferson city vote against life vote for more taxes and vote for obamacare in the state and yet that is exactly what guys like caleb rowden the senate majority floor leader have done just in the past 12 months so when we talk about the room being tense last night, this whole state is tense last night. If we approve a 5-3 map, if we expand the size and scope of government to billions upon billions upon billions of dollars of taxpayer money, it's going to go from tense to outright anger. And I think that's going to start showing up in the elections that are going to take place just a few months from now. Sure, sure, absolutely. And, you know, the end around that was done as far as uh, the gas tax. Mm. Um, the uh, end around the Constitution, you're saying. Exactly. Which is exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> the end around that was done on the gas tax, that really, I, I think that really makes a lot of people question, as you talked about, some of these Republicans that, uh, you know, are supposed to be doing good things for their constituents and uh, really kind of surprise the daylights out of a lot of people. I, I think that, you know, and, and it's a good litmus test, like a lot of things that they do. Mm-hmm. We're going to try this. We're going to see where it goes, mm-hmm. and then we're going to use this as a as a springboard for other things. I mean, if we were able to do this and get away with it, what's next? And why not? Right. Because nobody's doing a thing about it now. I, I believe it was uh, Sarah Walsh had mentioned uh, trying to possibly repeal this whole thing, but the process to repeal it, man, that's a heck of an uphill battle. And, and who wants to really get involved in that fight? I mean, is there anybody out there that, that you're talking to? 
Jim, that as, you're talking as to. As far as repealing the gas tax increase? Yeah. Well, uh, so Sarah, as you mentioned, actually filed the legislation in the House to repeal the gas tax increase. I filed the legislation in the Senate to repeal the gas tax increase. But let's let's be fair here, Kevin. I, I've also filed legislation in the Senate that would get rid of the state income tax and move us into, into line with states like Florida and Texas and a lot of other states that are growing, unlike Missouri is. Right. I filed a bill to get rid of personal property tax in the state of Missouri. You know, I, we talked about this actually at length last night. You know, we live in a tax environment. And in spite of the fact that the government is taking record amounts of money from you in a variety of ways, right? Your income, your everything you buy, your property, your car, your insurance, your cigarettes, everything is taxed. Government's never had more money than it has right now. And yet, I don't know of a single person that's willing to stand up and say that they feel like they're getting more from government than they ever have before. Nobody believes that. So I've never met a tax that I wasn't willing to cut. And you're right. we got to roll back the uh, the gas tax increase. In fact, it was Glenn Youngkin when his, in his acceptance speech of when he was elected governor of Virginia that he said that one of the things he was going to do when he got into office is he was going to repeal the gas tax increase. And I bet you there were a bunch of Republicans that were real uncomfortable when he said that because in Virginia, it was the Democrats that rose the raised the tax on the gas, but in 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 Missouri, it was Republicans that did that. So, uh, you know, we starving the beast of of government by reducing the tax burden is not only going to create Missouri an economic place where people want to go to that the population will begin growing again, but it'll give you more of your your money so that you can spend it way more efficiently than anybody in Jefferson City or in a local government agency. So you mentioned uh, the governor's race in Virginia, and one of the big uh, one of the big points of, of, of contention uh, was the gentleman that ran against him who uh, made the statement that parents don't need to be involved in their kids' education, <laughs> which was echoed by the head of the Department of Education, okay? Right. And he said, you know, parents really don't need to have all of this uh, involvement in their kids' education. And why would that be? Uh, Is there something you're trying to hide? But again, they didn't hide their thoughts on it. They came, like I said earlier, they're coming right out and telling us what they want to do. That's right. They're showing us the playbook, man. What Mm -hmm. coach ever shows the opposing team his playbook? Nobody that I'm aware of. But in this particular instance, that's exactly what they're doing with education. They're letting us know that parents don't matter. When your kid comes into the school, it's all about what we feel and what we want them to know. Mm-hmm. And so then we go down the road of indoctrination versus education. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we've got uh, about uh, six, seven minutes left here. And let's focus a little bit on the time we have left uh, on education and, and, and talk about what's going on in Jeff City. There's some scary things going on up there. Right. Um, and, you know, locally, I know we've got a a pretty decent school board, and our school board elections are coming up, I believe, in April. So, uh, you know, we might see a few changes here or there. But, uh, you know, we've got a pretty good uh, school board going right now that's kind of keeping an eye on what we're doing here locally. What about in other parts of the state? Well, I'll tell you what. Let me let me set the table on the conversation about education by saying that the in in the state of Missouri right now, children coming out of our public school system, uh, or who are in our public school system, only about a third of them, thirty five percent, are able to do math at grade level. Only about forty two percent of them are able to read and write at grade level. Now, I don't know of any rational, clear thinking person that think that that thinks that only having a third of our kids be able to do math at grade level is a really good outcome. And yet, these, that terrible outcome comes in spite of the fact that, once again, we are spending records amounts of money 
in the public school system in all areas of the state to try to get better outcomes. And if you talk to anybody in the traditional public school realm, if you talk to anybody in the teachers union realm and the special interests that back the traditional public schools, they'll tell you that you know what they think the answer is? More money. More money. More course. money, sure. right? Sure. It's always more money. I'm here to tell you that of all the solutions that we need in this state, and all the problems that we have in this state to include the educational system, none of them are going to be solved by more money. You know what it will be solved by if we want to talk about education? We want to get better outcomes in education. We need to empower parents to make more choices about the education of their kids and give those parents more choices than the single government-run monopoly of the traditional public schools. That doesn't mean that the traditional public schools cannot be strong. They can, and in many areas of the state, they are. But the more we empower those parents by saying that, hey, if you don't think that the traditional public school is right for you and you want to explore something, whether it's a charter school, whether it's a educational scholarship account at a private school, whatever it is, or a voucher program where not only can you pull your child out of the educational system that's not serving your needs, but you could pull your tax dollars out of the educational system that's not serving your needs, that'll make a big difference in the state of Missouri. I think it, uh, you know, obviously you were talking earlier about uh, doing away with personal property tax, and we know that uh, that goes uh, to our schools, and whether or not you uh, have a child in school doesn't make any difference, which, you know, as an everyday taxpayer, I would say that uh, even though I don't have uh, a stake in the game as far as a kid in school, I still don't want you abusing the money that, uh, you know, I I, I put into this. And you, you, you look at... $47 $47 billion budget, okay? <laughs> you look at teachers in this state being the lowest paid teachers mm-hmm. in the country. Right. Uh, I think we have to start making There's concessions. There's a disconnect. Yeah. There's a disconnect. There. Oh, huge, huge. We, we got all this money to spend, but we have some of the you know worst pay for teachers in, in the country. You know, uh, I, I talk <laughs> about, I've said several times this morning that I want to be a reformer of broken government. You know, Missouri right now has 516 school districts in the state of Missouri. Per capita, that's one of the highest number of school districts per capita than anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you have so many school districts, you know you have to pay for with all those school districts? A lot of overhead. A lot of su- there's a lot, means there's 516 superintendents. There's 516 uh, bureaucracies that got to try to work together and uh, actually get the money to where it needs to go. So I've called for a, a, a look at whether or not that's the right number of school districts. And if it's not, why don't we shrink down that overhead so that the resources can get to rewarding the teachers that are actually in the classrooms interacting every single day with the kids themselves. But you know what? That doesn't gain any traction because in many cases, those bureaucracies are other protected government institutions that are being supported by other powerful special interests like the teachers unions, like the NEA, like the Missouri State Teachers Associations that don't want to see the money stop flowing to all these school districts. In fact, I'll tell you a quick story. I was at a Chamber of Commerce luncheon a a few weeks ago. And uh, there was a school board member there from one of my school districts uh, up in St. Charles County. And he kept saying, he said, you know, I don't know why you would want to repeal the personal property tax, because if we lose money in the school districts, the school districts may go bad. And then nobody's going to want to move to St. Charles County, which historically has a lot of votes. I looked at him. I said, you know what? Right there. That's the problem right there. What you just said, because great government doesn't make great communities. That's a big fallacy and a misunderstanding of government. Great government doesn't make great communities, and public schools are government. Great communities demand great and efficient government. When people go, when they move to a 
place like down here at the lake? When people move to a place uh, like St. Charles or wherever else the population is going in the state of Missouri, they're doing so because there are a number of things that we know what they are. They're in a low-tax environment that has low regulation, and it doesn't have a COVID tyrant like Sam Page in St. Louis County trying to control their lives every single day. And when they get there, they demand that the dollars that they're putting into government, whether it's going to the schools or the fire boards or any other local government institution, are spent efficiently and spent in a manner that will reflect the values of that community. Great communities demand great government, not the other way around. And the other thing to remember when it comes to education is our schools aren't places for our kids to go and always worry about their feelings. How are you feeling today? What Are you happy? Are you sad? What's right. going on? Let's sit down and teach the kids what, gosh, I learned in school, and I think most everybody in this room learned in school, mm -hmm. reading, writing, arithmetic. Let's focus on making, you know, I, I asked my sister, she's a teacher, I said, do you teach to, to the test or do you teach? She goes, no, I don't teach to the test. I said, well, that's kind of interesting uh, considering the school district, uh, my, my sister works at the Hayeswood uh, School District up in St. Louis, and, you know, she said, I just, I don't try to get involved in the kids' lives from the, the point of view. Now, if, if a kid's having a problem and it's uh, disrupting their learning, that's one thing. But, you know, how you feeling today and worrying about whether or not kids uh, are having gender issues at, at, mm. at, at a young age. I mean, it's just... Look at, look at the social experiments that are ongoing in our sure. schools right now. Look at the conversation we have where we're allowing boys to play in uh, girls' sports, which mm -hmm. is, is leading to the destruction of women's sports all across the country. Look at where we're having a conversation about the so-called uh, critical race theory, which teaches our kids that America is bad and you should hate someone uh, next to you based on the assumptions that you ought to be making about the color of their skin. You know... Parents are furious. We saw that in the in the election of Virginia, and I've seen over the past three, four, six or seven months the formation of more grassroots organizations that are being led by parents, being led by moms in particular that are tired of their kids being messed with, uh, based on these indoctrination centers as they're becoming less institutions of learning and more institutions of indoctrination. And that's why even in places like Red St. Charles, Red down here at the lake, these folks are getting engaged. They're getting engaged in those school board elections, which are oh so critical uh, for folks to be focusing on, not just what's on Fox News and what's happening in the capital of the nation, but here at a very local level. And I think we're going to continue to see that in the April elections. We're going to see a lot of turnover in these school board elections. And then we're going to see some more turnover in the August and November elections as well. And the so way, and it's the a great time. The way you fix that uh, is competition. You know, and the senator alluded to that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have to have, if you look at the states uh, where they're public schools are getting better it's because they have taken the leadership in giving parents choice and and uh, instilling competition and that'll make the public schools better senator bill uh, eigel thank you so much for your time jim lemke thank you for your time love to have you back and if we can't do it in person let's do it on the phone i love it yeah thanks for having me great hour very awesome. very you. very awesome hour we're going to take a break we've got information for you at the top of the hour stacy johnson with lakeexpo.com chris schneider with lake tv we'll get you news we'll get you sports we'll update you on the weather and then we'll roll him in he's sitting over there just chopping at the bit to get in here dave moppin with among the dogwoods it's all coming up on key radio this is your radio station lake of the ozarks 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri, The Key.
I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 28th. A barge explosion injured a boat driver on Thursday morning, but it could have been worse. The driver from Ozark Barge and Dock was pushing a dock at the 7.5-mile marker of the Gravoy Arm. He had just stepped off the barge onto the dock when the barge exploded. The driver did have some burns and was taken to the ER, but Osage Barge and Dock owner Nina Ginneton said if it had been on, he'd been on the boat, when it exploded, the driver may not have survived. More Ameren customers are eligible to get help paying their utility bills. It's now easier to qualify for low-income home energy assistance, and Ameren says the amount of assistance available has doubled and assistance is available all year long. If you don't qualify, Ameren Missouri's Clean Slate program also offers utility assistance for customers struggling with utility cost. More info at Ameren.com. It's a good day for animals and animal lovers. The Community Foundation of the Lake has awarded grants for horse and dog shelters, sanctuaries, and rescue facilities in the lake area. Recipients of the Karen Jean Ruddick Trust include Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue and Sanctuary and Ivy Bend Animal Rescue, as well as many others. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life. Lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Some college hoops tomorrow. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears looking to bounce back from losses. At 8-11, and 11, the Mizzou Tigers will be on the road to play Iowa State. Pretty good Iowa State team there, 14-5. and five. The uh, Tigers coming off a one-point loss to number one-ranked Auburn earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a good season there, 15-7. They were upset earlier this week at Indiana State. They are home to 4-13 Evansville tomorrow, a game they should be able to win. St. Louis Blues won last night at home against Calgary, avenging a 7-1 loss to the Flames earlier in the week. The Chiefs are getting ready for a big showdown on Sunday. It's their fourth straight AFC Championship game. A win means they go to the Super Bowl. A loss means the season is over. It's all or nothing. Of course, they come off that incredible overtime win last weekend over the Bills. They lost to this Cincinnati team week 17 of the regular season by three at Cincinnati. Chiefs are favored by about a touchdown to win it this time around. The Chiefs at home for this one. They're 9-2 and two at home this year. The NFC Championship game features the third time this season the 49ers and Rams have played. 
San Francisco has won the first two meetings, but they are underdogged in this game. The Rams will be at home, and that is the NFC Championship, so the winner of that one will go to the Super Bowl as well. 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, not sure if he'll be returning to Green Bay next year. He skipped training camp, if you remember, before this season. Says he does not want to be a part of a rebuild if he does keep playing. The Colts, with the most players voted on to the Pro Bowl, they will play that next weekend. Colts had seven players in total. They didn't even make the playoffs. Chiefs and Chargers next with six. The Cowboys, Bucks, and Niners had the most for NFC teams with five players each. In high school hoops, the Eldon 91st Annual Tournament continues this weekend. Eldon, Osage, and Versailles all taking part in that tournament. Camdenton taking part in the Liberator Tournament in Bolivar uh, this week. Next week, next Friday night, live high school basketball game, Versailles at Osage. Again, you can see that on Lake TV. Versailles coach Jason Allison is featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show. You can see that every day day on Lake TV at 10, 2, and 6. KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Saturday, February 5th at the Oasis Conference Center in Springfield, Missouri, there will be a pastor and faith leader symposium. The main speaker is Bill Federer. Bill's on the line. Bill, what are you going to be talking about? Critical race theory and how it is the opposite of the gospel. The gospel says you love your enemies and critical race theory says you cancel your enemies. But it goes back to Karl Marx. And it was his plan to divide a country into groups and then pit the groups against each other. Economically, racially, socially, religiously, they call some haves, the others have nots, that they would start protests and riots. And then in the confusion, they do a coup or rigged election and seize power. We're going to be talking about that, and you'll be fascinated. Very important and timely information. Saturday, February 5th, the Pastor and Faith Leader Symposium at the Oasis Conference Center in Springfield. RSVP by January 26th by calling or texting. 314-608-0168. That's Part of the solution. 
Join the lake's only community radio station, 89.3, The Key. Hey, it's 910. Welcome in to hour number two of The Daily Show. Great to have the opportunity to uh, work with you yet again on establishing community radio here at the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, great, great hour there with uh, Senator Eigel and uh, his, his uh, as he said, sidekick, Jim Lemke, which... Uh, uh, I think we uh, we covered a lot of bases with uh, with the senator, and uh, thank you to uh, thank you to Janet Dabbs and uh, Bev Allen and the folks with uh, Concerned Women for America of Missouri for helping us uh, put all of that together. It was uh, a really great interview, and we're very thankful. Uh, Twenty two degrees is where we are as of right now. Looking for a high today of around thirty. Not going to get out of the thirties. Uh, uh, I, I'm thinking it might even struggle to get up to 32 degrees today, or 30 degrees anyway, because of the fact that, goodness gracious, that wind is kicking up pretty good. Northwest wind at about 13 miles per hour, uh, 10 to 15 uh, miles per hour at times, so it is going to be a little windy today. 17 the low for tonight, back up to 53 for the high tomorrow, uh, sunny and 50 on Sunday. And then Monday, 60 degrees, partly cloudy. It's official. We'll hit uh, 60 degrees, or hope to hit 60 degrees by Monday. 48 on Tuesday, then back uh, down into the low 30s on Wednesday. 20, 20 degrees expected for the high on Thursday with some uh, morning snow showers possible. So they're not, uh, they haven't been putting out any real serious weather warnings as far as the snow that's supposed to hit us uh, next week. So maybe, again, it'll just be uh, something that kind of comes and goes like the snow we had the other day. 9-11 is our time. And uh, again, uh, just real quick, what's going on over there at Bagnell Dam? Well, the lake level, as the winter drawdown is underway, 658.26, and the river level at 560.12. And again, you can pretty much tell what they're doing at Bagnell Dam by the discharge. Uh, You know, 131,077 cubic feet uh, per second uh, discharge uh, last hour, and then 22,000 plus uh, for this hour so far. And uh, that winter drawdown is underway. 9.12 is our time. And he is joining us again for uh, another hour or so of getting you caught up with what is happening here locally. That is our good friend, Mr. Dave Maupin. And uh, he is the author of Among the Dogwoods. We've got uh, we're going to go a couple of different directions. I think we'll probably get some information on uh, what's been happening with the Camden County Commission, but certainly with uh, what's been going on at the School of the Osage, because uh, Dave does have uh, a child or children that attend the school. How many? Two girls. Two girls that go there. How you been, man? I'm good. Everything's good. You're good. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I feel kind of bad because I feel like we've I've thrown Bill into a little bit of a funk here. Uh, <laughs> I've, I have uh, the equivalent of my equivalent of uh, trying to sell Girl Scout cookies. Uh, School of the Osage has its uh, competitive speech competition, and I've been basically told that i got to find 12 judges, 12 slots for judges for the competition. And so I gave the form to Bill, and uh, he's he's looking at it like I just handed him a grand jury subpoena or something. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm kind of a prop here. It's, it's the object <laughs> of some kind of ridicule or something. <laughs> Hey, you do it to you do it to yourself. He I keeps, mean, <laughs> he keeps reading it over and over again, and asking asking all these probing questions. It's a single page. <laughs> I don't like to judge people. What can I say? <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Maybe that, there you go, right I, there. Yeah, I, I umped a, a softball game of little girls one time. Oh, yeah, I've, not I've, not a good deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I've refed uh, soccer before, 
and uh, I've, I've definitely have had my experience judging. I did soccer for two years, and after that I was like, I'm never yeah. doing this ever again. Well, it, and it's not so much, you know, the kids playing as it is the parents. It, they're the worst. <laughs> so- soccer parents are probably the worst parents. I mean, I know there's parents in all kinds of competitive kids' sports that are, are, yeah. are rough, but it's a combination of uh, soccer and basically the penalties can have a significant impact on the match maybe more than in other sports. And the parents don't understand the rules of soccer. So they know their kids playing soccer. And it's actually usually not the dad or the mom. It's the uncle that decided to come watch who's maybe never seen a soccer game before. And they're screaming and stuff at the kids. Or mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had, I've seen bad, I've seen like, basically we had, we had rules like if uh, we would have teens that would be like, they could come in and be like a junior judge basically and be a line judge. And our rules were that if you like critiqued or, or yelled at a, any kind of teenager judge, you were automatically like expelled from the game and you had to go sit out in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't it, want to prepare the teenager for the reality of adult life. Yeah, huh? it's, 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 it's rough. I mean, and yeah, both sides are yelling at you. Uh, the worst ones to ref were the ones where the kids were really young. Like if you were a line judge, so basically you're along the, the boundary line and you're going to call it whose ball it is when it goes out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when, as the kids get older, it's much easier to ref the games because the way they play soccer is more rational. So, like, mm-hmm. you can see the play developing. You can kind of say, okay, the ball's <laughs> getting close to the sideline here. I might need to pay attention to make sure I know who, who it's bouncing off of before it goes out of bounds. Right. When yeah. they're little, yeah, they'll like, just randomly like, kick it. It's like a little swarm. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. The and then every <laughs> once in a while, you see a shoe fly through the air. <laughs> yeah, like, I would be standing there as a line judge, and there'd be like two or three kids, and then suddenly, randomly, they kick it and bounce off like five of them and go, and I'd be like, why would you do that? I wasn't even paying attention. Like, I don't know which way. And the other challenge being a line judge is – you know, you're constantly trying to remember you have a flag for your left hand and a flag for your right hand to call whose side gets the ball. Right. So you're trying to remember, okay, purple side is my <laughs> left hand. The, the blue uniforms are my – then right as the half is about over and you're starting to get the hang of how to call it, then they switch sides for <laughs> <laughs> the second half of the match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was bad. So being, being the actual uh, player, being the actual participant in the game – is maybe a lot easier than being a judge or a referee or anything like that. I mean, when it wasn't too competitive and the parents went around, you might just ask the kids, hey, who'd they go off of? And they would tell you. They'd be honest at that age about what happened. But Well, you know, I had, I had a similar experience when I was younger. I had uh, a girl I was dating. Her dad was the coach. He was coaching uh, boys baseball, you know, and they, they were relatively young, young kids. And he says, uh, why didn't you go be uh, the first base coach? I'm like, no, I don't think so. You know, I've never done this before. I don't, I, I'm not, you know, uh, let me watch and learn a little bit before. No, 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 come on, just get, get right in there. Put me at first base, and they had a, a play right there at first base. I called the kid out, and the parents were livid. They just went bananas, I'm sure. They were livid. And so, you know, I said, look, man, this isn't working out. I don't want to make any bad calls. I don't want to, you know, get any of these kids or their parents upset. No, 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 stay in. No, you stay in. You know, I probably made two or three more bad calls. And after the game, I was verbally threatened by not fathers but mothers. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we had stuff where, like, uh, basically the refs are all volunteers at the level that I was at. So when parents would be yelling, like, you, you're terrible, I'm like, hey, you want to come out here? Feel free. You can put this uniform on, yeah. and I'll sit on the sideline <laughs> yeah. and yell at you. Yeah. The one rule I always learned, uh, I, I learned it the hard way, is never reverse your call. So, Because if you make the wrong call, half the parents hate you. If you reverse your call, they all hate yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you want some allies to, to yeah. be able to help you get to your vehicle and get the heck out of yeah, there. Even, <laughs> yeah, even if you're if you're wrong, you at least have some backup from the other sideline. Right, right. But yeah, so this is not going to be like that. So it's not going to. It should be pretty low stress. But I'm just loving the way Bill is just looking over this thing, this sign-up sheet. <laughs> Whenever you give me something, I take it seriously. Oh, okay. I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be fine, Bill. And uh, I right. told him it's low pressure. He doesn't even. He can even say no. But I think that puts even more pressure on him. That yeah, I offer yeah. that, that out to him. So. When somebody has to explain to you that it is low pressure, then then maybe you just get a little concerned because you're thinking. What the heck am I walking into here? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. We talk about those mama bears. You know, there's probably going to be mama bears there. Actually, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> maybe, but it's for the children, Bill. It's yeah. for the children. You're doing it for our future. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. We'll see. I, I didn't expect Bill to like ruminate over this contract for this long. <laughs> it's not even a contract. You expected me to just reject it offhand. <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. Everybody's doing it, so, okay. Are you ready to roll? I am ready to roll. Let's talk about, uh, I guess we're going to talk about the meeting at the School of the Osage, the, the Board of Education meeting on the 24th yeah, of January. So, yeah, it was the 24th. It was at 6 p.m. They had it at Osage High School Theater again, and so this is the second time they've had it here, and the idea is because the sound system there is, you know, professional. It's, it's for theater productions, and so the idea was that we'd have better sound so we could hear the board better. Um, the board is still kind of, I think, getting used to, uh, having public meetings where there's an audience because still sometimes they can you'll see that they'll kind of maybe side talk to each other or or uh, you know just they're not really used to using the microphone system they changed the seating now to where at the previous meeting it was a line of of tables facing the audience they've gone back to kind of a u shape where the, the open end of the u is now facing the audience area and each each uh, board member had their own microphone which they, I guess, could turn on when they wanted to talk and then turn off when they didn't want to talk. Um, and it was a challenge because each, since each person had one and they were close to each other, <coughs> there would constantly be moments where there would be like feedback because one mic was on and another mic was on turned on too close to it. And so, so I think they could have probably benefited maybe from having the mics open all the time, but maybe having half as many mics there so it would just pick up between two or three. It kind of felt like they didn't really try it out. It's interesting because, you know, in, in a lot of situations, if you're negotiating something, there's a certain way to set up the table. If you're uh, just going out and making statements and, and there's, you know, you're just telling people what's going on and it's not like a Q&A, there's a certain way to do that. So this U-shaped table, it's, uh, it's, it's like the, the horseshoe, you know, you, you don't want to hang, hang it down. You want to hang it up so the luck doesn't run out, right? Yeah, it's kind of it's also the way they were seating or sitting uh, at the first November meeting when mm -hmm. they were in the small room because it's kind of almost like they're around a table now again. So yeah, maybe they want to be able to see each other. Maybe they felt I could see the issues with the long table where maybe a member at the far end of the table was about thirty or forty feet away from the member at the other end of the table. And this way, hear. this way they can all talk to each other face to face. Um, but yeah, they need to work out the sound because it was. Uh, there was definitely some sound issues. And some people didn't turn their microphones on, so then you couldn't uh, hear them. I was safely three rows back right at the edge of the DMZ that they set up with the tape, so we can't get too close to them. So I could pretty much hear everything that was being said. Um, yeah, so uh, six of the members were there. BJ Page, who's the president, was not present, so Allison Schneider ran the meeting. She's the VP of the board. Um, you know, two of the members basically didn't talk hardly at all that I could hear. Mary Whitman, Kathy Vance, they didn't really say anything during the meetings, during that particular meeting. Most of the talking was like uh, Derek Steen 
Dale Law and uh, Todd Miller. They did a lot, a lot of the talking, probably in that in that order. So so yeah, once you get past the microphone issues, um, there were about 20 people in the audience. And uh, there weren't any police officers there this time again, so it's not like the December meeting where we had uh, the, the police department there in case the parents got rowdy or anything like that, which never happened, but that's fine. Um, and, you know, there was an agenda. The agenda kind of moved around a little bit. I think they might have skipped some items because um, they had committee times and locations listed. I didn't hear that. But also, uh, uh, Allison Schneider, who was running it, you know, she kind of skipped items sometimes. I don't know if she was as comfortable running the, the agenda because maybe she doesn't usually do it because the president's usually there. And also the sound system, I think maybe that was throwing her off a little bit, having to use the mics. So it did kind of get a little confusing sometimes where she would jump ahead and then they would say, well, no, hold on, we got to talk about this. Um, so we did our best to kind of follow along and try to figure out what was going on. Uh, I mentioned before they had changed their open forum. They were going to change their open forum policy. Uh, we had a parent come forward. Previously, you couldn't talk about open forum issues unless they were on the agenda. So unless it was an agenda item, you couldn't as a parent come in and sign up to talk and then talk about something that wasn't on that agenda. This time they allowed a parent to do that. So to do that, you basically show up at the meeting, you fill out a card, you tell them what you want to talk about, and then basically it's first come, first serve. So they order the cards in the, way, in the number they get them. They give each person three minutes and they have 30 minutes total. So basically they can take 10 people who are gonna speak. Uh, and this gentleman got up there and basically he was talking about, he was opposed to the four day school week. So I don't know how familiar people are who aren't in Osage, but we have a four day school week, but the teachers actually work five days. So on the Monday, the teachers come into work, but uh, the students are only working at school Tuesday through Friday. It's meant that the school days have had to be lengthened and uh, it, it, so it's basically required a lot of changes to the school calendar as far as because they have to get a certain number of hours and days of education in each school year. So he basically said that he had done uh, input through the school surveys, uh, wasn't real confident in how much his input had been uh, evaluated through those surveys. He was kind of skeptical about how the surveys had, what the surveys had actually accomplished. So he basically said, I'm going to come here today and talk about this in public because I wanted you guys to hear what I have to say about it. Um, he, he didn't understand why we had a four-day school week. Uh, he, he understood that maybe for rural districts that have farming-ish farms and the kids need to work the farms more often where it might make sense to have them off for three days so they could work the family farm, but we're not really that kind of district. Uh, he also said the not having school on Mondays had been a problem because basically when your kids have extracurricular events then for school on a Monday, you have to try to arrange transportation where previously they could have just hopped on a bus from school and gone to the event. Now you suddenly have to figure out how you're going to get your kid to these events uh, when they're not starting at school. Yeah, or for that matter, why they wouldn't have adjusted the extracurricular events to be on school days. Yeah, so it's just basically he was basically talking about, with especially with uh, two working parents and a family, it does make it challenging to have uh, a four-day school week. And th one of the things he had brought up that I hadn't really thought about was you know, one of the advantages of having a four-day school week is that it's actually really good for teacher retention because it's like a compressed work schedule. The teachers w like, to, like to have where they're going to work from Tuesday through Friday, but that's not really what's happening at Osage because the teachers are actually working Monday through Friday, so they're working that Monday where the kids aren't there. So it made me kind of think, like, so the teachers are getting paid. Basically, the kids are they're having to work longer days Tuesday through Friday, but they're also having to work on Monday and then they're getting paid. Yeah, I'm not sure how they get paid, if they get paid hourly. I don't think they get paid hourly, so. Yeah, they 
probably feel obligated to work a shorter day on Monday because they're working longer days on the other days. Yeah, I think they get a daily rate. I think they get paid by the day. And so it's kind of like, well, if that's the case, that doesn't sound very fair because now you're working your school, you know, your school days. I don't know. It just seemed like it. Sounds like it was fine the way it was with five days a week, and now they've uh, wanted to implement all this other nonsense, and it's really thrown a wrench in the works. But then they would, they would probably argue and say, well, you know, as soon as we do this for a couple of years, it'll all get smoothed out. Everybody will figure it out. Everybody will figure it out and figure that it's a bad idea and uh, want to say, let's just go back to the way things were. Yeah, so I think, yeah. So, so it was interesting because I've talked to a lot of parents and, like, for me, I'm retired, so I was kind of neutral on it. I mean, I can take my kids to school on Monday. I can take them to school on Tuesday. But I was surprised. Uh, I actually, I think I voted for the uh, five-day school week with the Monday online and then the Tuesday through Friday because I figured that way they would make sure that the online school worked because they'd been practicing it. So if they ever had to have a snow day or shut down school, um, you know, you knew the teachers knew how to do that. You could do online school if, in case for some reason the school was closed down. So nowadays, if it snows, you have to do school online? Is no. That well, not now. Okay. So, right. yeah, but I'm just, my I don't want to do that. <laughs> my point, sorry, kids. Yeah, I'm not advocating. But I, that's kind of what I voted for. But I definitely didn't think the four-day school week was going to pass. I was pretty sure the parents were going to vote for a five-day school week. So that's not what happened. So that's made a lot of parents suspicious about the survey results. You know, People are kind of like wanting to know. Like, I wonder if maybe just the four-day weekers were split between the two other categories. It wasn't like ranked choice, right, where you could pick the ones in order that you would prefer. It, it was just a flat-out survey. So so that's it. So the parents talked. Uh, there was some applause. The school board didn't respond to them. I don't know if they can respond, or you, it would be nice to just say, okay, that's good, and talk <laughs> to them about it. Because I know that's what they do at the Camden County Commission. When you do public comment, a lot of times the, the commissioners will communicate with you after you're talking it's not just like you talk and then it's done and you walk away from the mic and go sit down but that's kind of how this was the uh, next agenda item was the uh, student calendar and this is again something that, that's come up before they only discussed it really briefly um, there were some issues with Christmas break and stuff like that uh, v the vice president uh, Allison Schneider's basically said that the most popular option seems to be just keeping the current calendar that they have instead of ch making changes for next year. Uh, the next agenda item was contracts, MOUs, agreements, a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, Superintendent Nelson interestingly mentioned that she was bringing some of these items before the board because she wanted to basically be as transparent as possible. So the idea is she wants to get board permission before she's signing uh, contracts or documents. So it's not like she's just signing these documents on her own. Now, when she signed for the Panorama contract and signed that the that Panorama could use all the students' data uh, on behalf of all the parents, I'm not, I'm not sure if the board ever approved that. So, I mean, I guess we need to go back through the records and see that it is interesting that it's becoming a point of issue right now that needs to be mentioned. So we'll have to do some research, I think, on it. So the first grant was a uh, Missouri... I think it's DESE, DESE right? Yeah. DESE, D-E-S-E, DESE Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. There we go. And uh, it's called Grow Your Own Teacher Pathway Program. So basically, they give you a $10,000 grant, and the idea is that if you've got students at Osage High School who are interested in becoming teachers, you can use that money to kind of uh, assist them in their pathway to becoming a teacher, getting their uh, teaching certificate. And the, and the hope is that they'll then come back to Osage High School or the Osage school system and be teachers within the district. So, so basically, the board... 
uh, approve that application for the grant. So that's going to go ahead. I didn't think that was too controversial. I mean, I think it's a good idea if you've got kids that are in your own school district and they're local and they, they want to become teachers, you can help them do that. And Well, that's basically the hope, you know, to get that retention, uh, whether it's uh, – as a teacher or as a, a member of the business community, I know that that's one of the things that they like to try and do. Dave, we need to jump in here real quick and take a break. And on right. the other side, we'll continue our discussion. Dave Mop and our guest, we're uh, reviewing the uh, most recent school board meeting uh, from the School of the Osage on uh, January the 24th. Stacy Johnson with news. Chris Schneider with sports. We're back with more on The Daily Show here on Key Radio. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Friday, January 28th. A barge explosion injured a boat driver on Thursday morning, but it could have been worse. The driver from Ozark Barge and Dock was pushing a dock at the 7.5-mile marker of the Gravoy Arm. He had just stepped off the barge onto the dock when the barge exploded. The driver did have some burns and was taken to the ER, but Osage Barge and Dock owner Nina Gennetton said if it had been on, he'd been on the boat, when it exploded, the driver may not have survived. More Ameren customers are eligible to get help paying their utility bills. It's now easier to qualify for low-income home energy assistance, and Ameren says the amount of assistance available has doubled and assistance is available all year long. If you don't qualify, Ameren Missouri's Clean Slate program also offers utility assistance for customers struggling with utility cost. More info at Ameren.com. It's a good day for animals and animal lovers. The Community Foundation of the Lake has awarded grants for horse and dog shelters, sanctuaries, and rescue facilities in the lake area. Recipients of the Karen Jean Ruddick Trust include Forget-Me-Not Horse Rescue and Sanctuary and Ivy Bend Animal Rescue, as well as many others. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Lake news, events, boating, and the lake life. Lake Expo. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from LakeExpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Tow. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Some college hoops tomorrow. Both Mizzou and the MSU Bears looking to bounce back from losses. At 8-11, and 11, the Mizzou Tigers will be on the road to play Iowa State. Pretty good Iowa State team there, 14-5. and five. The uh, Tigers coming off a one-point loss to number one-ranked Auburn earlier in the week. MSU Bears having a good season there, 15-7. They were upset 
that earlier this week at Indiana State. They are home to 4-13 Evansville tomorrow, a game they should be able to win. St. Louis Blues won last night at home against Calgary, avenging a 7-1 loss to the Flames earlier in the week. The Chiefs are getting ready for a big showdown on Sunday. It's their fourth straight AFC Championship game. A win means they go to the Super Bowl. A loss means the season is over. It's all or nothing. Of course, they come off that incredible overtime win last weekend over the Bills. They lost to the Cincinnati team week 17 of the regular season by three at Cincinnati. Chiefs are favored by about a touchdown to win it this time around. The Chiefs at home for this one. They're 9-2 and two at home this year. The NFC Championship game features the third time this season the 49ers and Rams have played. San Francisco has won the first two meetings, but they are underdogged in this game. The Rams will be at home, and that is the NFC Championship, so the winner of that one will go to the Super Bowl as well. 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers, not sure if he'll be returning to Green Bay next year. He skipped training camp, if you remember, before this season. Says he does not want to be a part of a rebuild if he does keep playing. The Col- Colts, with the most players voted on to the Pro Bowl, they will play that next weekend. Colts had seven players in total. They didn't even make the playoffs. Chiefs and Chargers next with six. The Cowboys, Bucks, and Niners had the most for NFC teams with five players each. In high school hoops, the Eldon 91st Annual Tournament continues this weekend. Eldon, Osage, and Versailles all taking part in that tournament. Camdenton taking part in the Liberator Tournament in Bolivar uh, this week. Next week, next Friday night, live high school basketball game for sales at Osage. Again, you can see that on Lake TV. For sales coach Jason Allison is featured on this week's High School Basketball Coaches Show. You can see that every day on Lake TV at 10, 2, and 6. KB is on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns. 7 in the morning, 5 in the afternoon, 11 at night. Lake TV brings you five local lake area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, free on Roku, and streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Friday. Key Radio is financially supported in part by generous giving from Firefly Valley Farms, coffee roasters and beverage solutions. Firefly Valley Farms believes coffee is a big deal. It's their passion. They owned a coffee shop for 11 years and have been roasting coffee since 2006. When you order coffee, they freshly roast it and ship it directly to your home or office and you enjoy. Nothing compares to coffee this fresh. Firefly Valley Farms also takes pride in supporting growers that utilize ethical and sustainable processing practices. In addition to coffee, they have a family-owned and operated fruit orchard nestled at the bottom of Hudson Hollow on the banks of the Little Niangua River in Roach, Missouri. Firefly Valley Farms protects our land, rivers, our bees, and our bodies by using only organic pest management. Learn more online at fireflyvalleyfarms.com. Business, government, history, religion, entertainment and much more on 89.3 the key 937 welcome back to the daily show and again a uh, a little information i think it's uh, okay for us now to officially drop 
the other shoe, allow the other shoe to drop, that uh, Monday morning we will start uh, from our new digs, the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors in Osage Beach. We are moving from the key gathering place to the studio within the uh, friendly confines of SRG Financial Advisors. All of our guests will be the same, and uh, we're going to give Bill some much-needed time off because Bill Bill wasn't uh, Bill wasn't really going to be a radio co-host to begin with, and we had talked about it early on. But you'll Bill, need, Bill likes somebody his... else to mock from now on. Oh, <laughs> oh come on, no. No, that's not happening. Oh. <laughs> Ready, one, two, three. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, but seriously, KB, we're, we are going to have to find somebody else to mock. That's going to be. <laughs> like, I, uh, mean, I didn't want to say it. Guess, <laughs> guess who? Guess who? Uh, well, you can still talk about me. Mocking is harsh. <laughs> like, we're not mocking. Yeah. Teasing is teasing. We're putting up. Uh, we, we haven't. We haven't made it onto social media yet, so you're still safe. Have we been okay. bullying? Do you feel like you've been bullied? Yeah, yeah there's got to be something in the school district about that. <laughs> you can. You can go and talk to. Uh, you can go and talk to the guidance counselor or, or whatever. And you oh, know what you get if you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They'll sit down and yeah, they'll they'll give you an award. We need to go to Desi and get one of those grow your own co-host pathway programs. <laughs> Grow your own co-host. Just add water, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It is. The grow is weird. That's a weird verb for them to use. A grow your own teacher. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just go out in the backyard and water it. It's like a chia pet. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> ch 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 chia ch 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 teacher. Nine thirty-nine and twenty-two degrees is where we are. Thirty the high today. Uh, Chiefs played the Bengals on Sunday. Um, right now, I think the Chiefs are favored to win that game. I. I think not by a whole lot, but uh, uh, anyway, go Chiefs. And, and what a great time for young quarterbacks in the NFL. Oh, my I mean, goodness. They have a huge crop. It's been really, I think it's the best thing the NFL is going for right now. Old uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, man, when, when he, he, he's, he's, you know what, this is like, what, his fourth year? And so he's not really considered, I guess, a young quarterback. Yeah, he's anymore. like a veteran at this he, point. He certainly doesn't play like a young quarterback. He plays like a seasoned veteran. I mean, the guy's got eyes in the back of his head and on either side of his head and, and everything else and uh, he's made some incredible plays in it the i guess you could almost consider him like the human highlight reel definitely Nine thirty-nine. dave moppin with us and we're discussing the most recent uh, school board meeting at school of the osage and i understand that uh, when we discuss school board meetings that uh, there are school board members that listen oh okay well good and, I, can, uh, I can remind them of what happened so uh, yeah, so we talked about Grow Your Own Teachers. Uh, the next was some FCC form. I think, I think the superintendent just kind of said something like, this form is like for what we are already doing, you know, and, you know, it keeps it, it's already something we do. And um, the, good, the good thing that the school board does is they do put up a really good agenda mm -hmm. and they have all the supporting documents. I wish the commission, Camden County Commission, would do this also so you could actually see the documents that they're reviewing when they're up there. So I actually looked at the document and what it is is it's basically just... Uh, a form that says if they want to use uh, certain discounts from something called a universal service support mechanism, which I think is maybe for the libraries or something like that, uh, that they have to comply with the Children's Internet Protection Act. So there's rules. And it basically means they can be audited. So basically you're just certifying that you're, you're following certain rules for, for Internet safety for the kids. So, yeah, they authorized the superintendent to sign that. The third one was a, uh, a DESI grant called the Teacher Recruitment and Retention Grant. So basically, this, they're not sure how much money you get for this grant because it's decided by uh, 
basically district size, um, demographics, and uh, then she said priorities set by Missouri DESE. So I guess Missouri DESE can just decide basically how much money you're going to get for this teacher retention grant. Maybe the issue is like certain school districts are in areas that maybe aren't as fun to be a teacher because maybe the, you know, they're just economically not as good or that that the kids are less interested or the parents aren't as aren't as interested and so maybe it's harder in those districts i would imagine maybe st louis or some of those areas to retain teachers and so maybe they, they would offer more funds in those districts so it seems to be kind of a judgment call by desi so uh we aren't quite sure where we'll rank in that funding group um, but they had some ideas for what they were going to try to use the money for so dr st john uh, and they're all doctors, so Dr. St. John was, was one of the ones talking, and uh, she basically said some of their ideas are they want to change teacher summer pay from a, I guess the teachers now get a stipend, like, and now it's going to basically go to, their, to the daily rate mm -hmm. for the teachers, so they're going to, I assume they're going to get more money from that. They're going to try to give study materials and scholarships for the paras. I guess there's para teachers who aren't quite teachers who uh, teach or do perform certain functions in the schools. They're going to try to give them some financial support to encourage them to then, uh, you know, pursue the teaching degree and maybe become from para teachers to full teachers. Um, I guess that's the progression. And they're going to spend $18,500 to create a wellness room for the employees. Does that include uh, massage therapy, uh, aromatherapy? Yeah. Is, what is what is the wellness room is all that, about? Is, is, it, it, is it a break room? Is, is it, it the break room? I, I thought they always called it, yeah, it, it, it was like any other place. It's the break room. You know, you go and eat your lunch there. Or well, the in my school, it was the teacher's lounge. Yeah, teacher's lounge, and sure. A and a teacher might be like, hey, come come bring this to me at the teacher's lounge. And you would go there, and it was like, you just knock on the door, and it's like a oh, secret no. room that only no, the we, teachers. we never got to go in the teacher's oh, lounge. Oh, no, they would open the door, and they'd be like, stop right there. Like, you can't come in. They door. open it about this much. That's right. Or, or it's got like... Remember the days of the speakeasy where they'd pull the little uh, little piece across and look out to see, and then, you know, you had to know the password in order to get in. The teacher's lounge traditionally, <clears throat> at least when I was in school, was so full of cigarette smoke, it was yeah. unbelievable. And, and they'd, you know, there were teachers who just wouldn't go in the teacher's lounge because that's all they did in there was smoke. And they'd, you know, those people come out and, and they'd have like a yellow tinge to their, from all the tar and then... Yeah, I just assumed they already had a break room, so I don't know what the wellness room would add to it. But maybe it is like you could get sauna or hot rock massage <laughs> or between classes. Sit in the steam room for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and so maybe that'll really uh, increase retention. I thought like maybe just not making the teachers work five days a week might uh, might increase retention, but that costs zero dollars. <laughs> Better pay also causes things like retention to happen. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, a wellness room, okay. Maybe that would work. I don't think teachers are going to be like, would you be like, yeah, you know, I, I want to go to this other school district that only makes me work four days a week, but I don't know. They don't have a wellness room <laughs> <Yeah>. over there. <laughs> so who knows? But yeah, that was the deal breaker, you know, on a lot of contracts. That's, how I, that's what I always looked for in a job. We, uh, yeah. Are the deal, not the deal, not the deal breaker, but the deal maker. I'm sorry. Did I say breaker? Let's uh, see about taking a quick phone call here. That's great. Caller, good morning. You, uh, let's get you on here real quick. I think we might have somebody with the explanation of a wellness room. Caller, good morning. You're on Key Radio. What's up? So I just, I find it interesting that, you know, they, they went to a four-day school week for teacher retention, but now we need a grant in addition to a four-day school week, also a, a grant for teacher retention. 
Yeah, I mean, like, and I'll tell you, basically, we're going to get into this a little bit. We'll, we'll definitely make sure we get it in. But when I talk to other parents, the, that's one of the biggest complaints is the four-day school week. Yeah, but, sure. But when I then saw it kind of confuses me because I don't hear a lot of parents being big fans of it. I think if the elementary school parents maybe are more fans of it, but my experience has been in high school and middle school, even though my kids are only going to school four days a week, they have assignments that are due Friday at midnight. They have assignments that are due Sunday at midnight. So basically my kids are, it looks to me like they're going to school seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and I, I have a first grader in the district and I know the majority of parents in that elementary school, you know, with, with kids learning to read learning to write, math, four days a week just isn't cutting it. But what I also found interesting is that when they looked at these proposed calendars, there was not one that was offering five days a week. Oh, does that, I thought, on this, you mean on the survey? I thought they had a... No, a, not on the survey, on the, on the proposed, the proposed school week. So they sent out three different versions. Oh, okay. But, you know, I think that, um, a lot of parents were told that a five-day option was going to be reviewed by the board, and that was not the case. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think it's really popular, so hopefully we can come come to school board meetings, complain about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to do much good. Well, yeah, so we can talk about it. Um, this is something that I'll just jump ahead to this part. Um, one of the things that was mentioned when they, they talked about the new public speaking uh, policy that they're going to have, where they're now going to allow people to speak publicly, is uh, what Derek Steen, who's actually the incumbent who's running for school board member, he mentioned that he actually prefers when uh, parents will just email him or call him or, or meet him and talk to him privately about issues that they have. And, uh, you know, and I think some of the other school board members are more comfortable communicating like that. The problem is with that, I was kind of surprised that he said that because the problem is when we don't have people talking about stuff in public comment, then we aren't aware that there's other parents out there who have the same issues with the school that we do. So when you email a, a, a board member and basically say, hey, I don't like the four-day school week, they're like, okay, I'll bring it up. But you also don't get the feeling from, you might know in your circle of friends that there's parents who don't like the four-day school week, but when you go to a meeting and you start to see more and more parents complaining about it, you start to realize, okay, I'm not the only one. Like, I'm not crazy here. Like, but they, by having private communications with school board members, it kind of isolates all of us instead of letting us know that we're actually a much bigger community and we're all having the same kinds of issues at the same time. I think you're exactly right. And I, you know, and I, I heard that a lot of parents that survey that came out, um, you know, to vote on that four day a week, none of them remember even seeing it. So there's, there's quite a bit going on, I think, that that really isn't being brought to the surface, and that's unfortunate for our kids. Thank you for your phone call. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you for listening. Thank you. You bet. Yeah, thanks. Well, and, and again, I think that's the key. That I mean, school board meetings have essentially always, I think, been more or less kind of low-key unless there's a major issue out there. And that's the one thing that, um, you know, we were talking about being on the school board and sometimes, you know, there have been people and their family uh, have been on the school board for years and years and years. Some people consider the school board uh, important, other people not so much. And is there a real emphasis on them getting things done? Um, you know, I don't know. But you don't want to let it slide under the radar. If you have an issue, you have a problem with it, uh, I would say, you know, don't, uh, 
don't just uh, leave it up to somebody else to do the job for you. Yeah, and you just, yeah. so the next thing that came up was this public participation change that they were going to do. And so I've mentioned it that they, they have uh, changed it to where you don't have to, it doesn't have to be on the agenda for you to talk about it in public speaking or in the public comment section. So that is one, one of the things that they've changed. And basically the board discussed it and the members were basically like, yeah, they, they thought there were issues with the old policy and they liked that they were changing it to where it didn't have to be on the agenda. And it kind of struck me because I'm like, well, some of the two of the board members I think have been on the, the board for decades. Um, they're all incumbents. Like if they had an issue with, if they thought there was a problem with the public comment section, like why wasn't it changed before? It's almost like we've had all these changes in the past couple months just because a, a few parents have decided to start questioning what's going on. And so for the board to be like, oh, no, no, these, these are all great changes. Well, then why weren't they changed? Like why did we have to be the people to push to have them changed? So I, I think that's, it's kind of interesting now the board is saying, no, no, these are all good ideas. Uh, so, so I mentioned that, that uh, board member Steen had said that he approved the changes to the policy, but he, he actually encouraged parents to contact board members privately. Um, the, the issue with this is, like I mentioned, if, if we're going to communicate privately with board members, we don't really get a feel for uh, that other parents have the same issues that we do because we don't hear them publicly. Mm -hmm. There is a school of the Osage uh, supporters, pa parents and supporters, I think, Facebook group, where you can kind of uh, maybe talk to other parents and realize that, hey, you know, this person actually has the same issues with the school that I do. Um, you can also come to board meetings and now if people talk publicly about this stuff, you can get up there and talk and uh, we can actually hear uh, what's going on. I think one of the r actual reasons that they might have changed the public comment rules is because I think they don't necessarily like that parents can try to put themselves on the agenda. You can apply to be put on the agenda and then you can actually become an agenda item. I think they actually prefer if uh, the parents just speak publicly uh, during the public comment section. Um, one of the issues is, one of the biggest issues is uh, two board members have been on the board for decades. Uh, two other board members, uh, uh, Miller and Steen have uh, had they've they've been on the board and generations of their family have served on the board so we've got a, a board members who are basically they've their themselves or their families have been entrenched on this board for a long time um, and so yeah if you know one of those people or you know a board member yeah I think you can probably email or call or go over to their house and knock on their door and talk to them about an issue and get it resolved if you're not one of those people who knows them, um, I'm not sure or confident that you can get an issue that you have resolved. I mean, I don't think, I don't think me going over there and knocking on a board member's door is I'm going to get a good reception or calling up a board member, and I'm not advocating anybody to go over to board members' <laughs> houses. But it's just like I don't know these board members personally, so I mean, I don't think I have the same influence that way that I think maybe other people who do have it. And I think that's part of the issue, too, that people have with the school district is you know, you've got uh, four people who've basically been on the board for a long, long time or members of their families have been on the board for a long, long time. And that doesn't really help when you want to change things. You're not really getting a new perspective on how things should be handled. So I don't think it's any coincidence that just in the past two or three months now that new faces have started coming and showing up and asking questions that suddenly we're having changes. And I mean, they, they, they dumped Panorama basically overnight after they were asked about it. Um, They've, they've changed these policies already for public comment very quickly. So, yeah, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea maybe to get some new members on the board. 
Uh, I know Kelly Frisella and uh, Stacy Neal are both running for school board. Uh, Derek Steen is the incumbent. There's two spots open, so at least one of them is going to get elected, but it would gr be great, I think, to get two elected and uh, just get some new faces on the board and have maybe some new perspective on what's going on. So Maybe it should be, uh, should it be a requirement. <laughs> You've yeah. got a kid that goes there. You should you should serve in some capacity as a board member. Yeah, it's like the Roman Legion. Everyone has to serve in the Legion. You can't vote. You can't vote unless you serve. Yeah. The uh, so yeah. I just think it's a good idea. And for people to panic, I mentioned this before. It's a seven member board. If you put two new board members on, you're not changing any voting. It's not like you're suddenly going to swing the block to where it, it's going to get crazy. I mean, basically, you're just giving two new people with two new pers with new perspectives and putting them on the board. Right. So. If you if you look at uh, traditionally, like I said, with school boards, I think there are some people who care. There are other people who 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 just don't. They just want their kid to get up in the morning, go to school, and uh, you know, for some parents, school is is daycare. Yeah, and and I'm not trying to. I don't think there's evil people here. This is not a like a good versus evil type of situation. I think the people on the board want to do a good job. I don't think they're trying to. Uh, I don't think they're corrupt. I don't think they're trying to like. Oh, I'm going to get on the school board so I can get all my friends everything they need, and I'm going to uh, exert all this power and influence, and I'm going to feel like a big shot because I'm on the school board. I'm not saying that. I think the people on the school board are good people. I think they're doing it because they want to do good. Um, but, you know, it's easy when you've been in the same position for a long time or you and your family have been in the position for a long time to maybe lose a little perspective. You, you like the way things have always been because mm -hmm. that's the way they've been that way for generations. So that's what I'm saying. Let's just change it up. So, Well, we'll see what the people think. You know, sometimes school board uh, elections are, uh, you know, decided by a vote or two, you know. And that's because voter turnout for school board elections isn't always that great, um, like a lot of things. Uh, and then people complain after the fact when you had a perfect opportunity to do something about it, and you chose not to. So, uh, again, when you're given an opportunity to vote, uh, let your voices be heard. I mean, that's what it's all about in the, uh, in the be you know, to begin with anyway. I, you, you go and you vote and you say, well, I like this person or I like that person or whatever. And then, you know, have a, have a hand in what's actually going on. Have a, have a voice. Yeah, I think also, you know, there have been school board elections in the past for Osage where only one, per only two people ran for two slots. Mm -hmm. So there basically wasn't an election. They were just appointed at that point they just moved right in the spot they applied yeah and they got hired so <laughs> uh, and i think i want to say that might be why how uh steen got in his position i don't know that he actually faced an election right i think he was actually there was no opposition so that he moved that that's again no reflection on him but that's what happened well now the state is moving to possibly have recalls of school board members which i find that interesting you know is it really that big of a deal where where somebody would, they'd have to do a recall. Well, I guess maybe if you had somebody commit a crime or something there on the school board and they won't resign, maybe yeah. you're like if it's like a drastic type situation, you might want to be able to recall. It's them. a Republican-sponsored bill. Yeah. So. And uh, yeah, they find out later on in life that, or, or later on after you've been in, uh, been in uh, this position, that maybe things uh, aren't 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 going according to plan. Yeah, I think this board, the current board, has voted unanimously for something like two or three years yeah. on issues. There's never been any kind of uh, controversy, or there's never been like a six to one or five to two. I haven't seen them in the past four or five meetings. I've been to four meetings. 
I haven't seen any votes where it wasn't unanimous on everything. So, School board, uh, two-year or four-year term, do you know? I think it's a three-year term, three and they year. rotate well, through. You so, so you can turn a school board pretty quickly because with ours, I think it's uh, two, two, and three. So it's, it's basically each consecutive year they're coming up for re-election. So you can flip okay. two, and then you can flip two more the next year. But, yeah, I think the, the people that are supporting the system as it is now are concerned um, so, I mean, if they're worried, I think that's a good thing. Well, there will be candidate forums coming up for school board in uh, April. Or rather, I'm sorry, in March, toward the end of March. Uh, they will have candidate forums for uh, Camdenton as well as School of the Osage. And uh, one of the things that we are going to do is uh, get the audio on. Uh, as it's happening, we'll have live audio. We'll get all the times and, and uh, the dates and everything confirmed. And we will have an opportunity for you to hear from the uh, the board members. If you can't make the actual forum, you can't uh, go to the location where they're holding it. Uh, we are working with some folks uh, collectively, um, including the uh, uh, Camdenton Chamber, the Lake Area Chamber, uh, and a couple of other media outlets, uh, LakeExpo.com and Lake TV. We're going to... Uh, try and get you as much information as possible. We'll do the forums for uh, uh, the candidates running for school board. We'll also do uh, candidate forums for uh, presiding commissioner of Camden County. And I believe there's other uh, municipal elections going on. Uh, I believe Board of Aldermen in Camdenton. Uh, I think uh, the mayor's race in uh, Osage Beach because uh, I know uh, one of the candidates that's running. As a matter of fact, uh, try to get him on and, uh, and talk a little bit more about uh, what he would like to see happen in the city of Osage Beach. But we appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. I will have this form filled out at the completion of the uh, program here. Both of you will have it filled out. Bill Bill is still debating on whether or not he he's is. going to fill it out. I'm still looking at it. <laughs> yeah, so hey, so the, ne the just real quick, February yeah. 28th is the next school board meeting, so try to make that. And uh, they're actually going to be probably, that's when we're going to see the bids come in for that big uh, storm shelter building they were talking about, that $3 right. million dollar building. So show up at the meeting, say hi. Uh, sit. You can sit near me outside, just outside the DMZ. We can. Uh, we can look forward to seeing I'm not you there. Allowed there, right? You can't speak. Oh. Sounds All right. Like anyway, something. let's move ahead here. We're just about finished with the program, so.